After almost two years of doing this podcast, which in itself just blows my mind completely, I shouldn't be surprised anymore when Titanic brings more creative, talented, brilliant people into my life so that we can sit down at the metaphorical table of Titanic and talk all things Titanic. And it happened again a couple of weeks ago in this wonderful turn of events. I got in touch with Alexandra Boyd, who is an actress, now a director. If you know the 97 movie, you already know her, at least her face. She portrayed a first-class woman in that film. She's in several shots. She originally had dialogue. Unfortunately, those scenes were cut. They are available online, I believe. But the iconic shot you would know her from is when Jack and Rose are walking into the dining saloon. They're almost to their table. They pass through some glass doors and there is this beautifully elegant woman that sort of turns to them and gives Jack, I think, especially kind of a once over a look, a beautiful look. That's her. And she's been really active in the Instagram Titanic community. And we got in touch and I became aware of her project, which is incredible. It's called Ship of Dreams, Titanic Movie Diaries. It's a documentary that don't worry, you will have access to very soon. In it, a lot of the actors and actresses that had smaller roles in the 97 movie they reunite and they read their diaries from 1996 when they were filming. And they may have had quote-unquote bit parts, but these people were such an integral part of James Cameron putting his film together. And they were on that set in Rosarito, Mexico for months and months, some of them. This film is a love letter to the movie. It's a love letter to their experiences. It's a love letter to fans like me and like you who obsess and love this thing. And sometimes we can't figure out why it sticks with us, but it does. And some of the super fans that have turned Titanic into hobbies and jobs and and, and podcasting like me, there's a podcaster featured. It, it just is a true love letter to all of us who know that Titanic is part of our soul and part of our personality. So I got in touch with her. I was lucky enough to see the movie already. And then I found out that she and Nelson Aspen, who is an award-winning journalist with three decades of experience in broadcasting. He's interviewed every celebrity you could ever imagine. He's been on morning, afternoon, evening shows in every country in the world, almost, it seems. He's such a talented producer and media personality. They are also teaming up to do a companion podcast called Titanic Talk. I didn't know about that part of it. So a few days ago, I got to sit down with Alexandra and with Nelson. We just talked. We talked about their project. We talked about the movie. We talked about our love of Titanic. Alexandra talks a little bit about her audition process for Titanic, which Nelson was a huge part of. And he's a Titaniac from way back before the internet, before it was this easy to be a Titaniac. And he has some really emotional connections to the ship and its history as well. We sat down and we talked. And I wish we could have talked for five hours. I made two wonderful new friends. I am so grateful for this connection that I've made. And I can't wait for y'all to see the Ship of Dreams movie and to listen to their podcast too. So I will get straight to the interview. And a special thank you 
to Nelson for giving me the compliment of my life. You'll hear it at the end of the episode. I didn't dare edit it out. I have to have proof of it forever and ever and ever. So thank you, Nelson. You know, in terms of this being anniversary week, the anniversary of the sinking of Titanic, I think this is such a perfect episode to bring you because we talk a lot about honoring the ship at the 111-year mark. And if you're a super fan of the movie like me, it's such an integral part of all of it as well. So please enjoy this interview and then go straight to the show notes after and find their podcast and find the link to the Ship of Dreams website. And that is where the documentary will be live very soon by the time you're listening to this. So thank you, Alexandra. Thank you, Nelson. Hope we can collaborate more in the future. And yeah, listeners, you are in for a treat. Enjoy. Between her pugs and my fire station, you know, we have a lot yeah. of ambient well, sound. Also, and I, you know, I may actually leave some of this in for character. Um, I also have a brutal rainstorm going on here in Austin, Texas, which is not normal for us. So uh, we'll fight all the noise. But um, I am so excited because I am here with Nelson Aspen and Alexandra Boyd. And I, I'm just going to preface by saying I cried at the end of this movie like a baby. I was, I was on uh, just my bed and I had decided, you know what, I'm going to drop the kids off at school and I'm going to take a morning where I stay in pajamas and, act, and just watch this movie in the morning and kind of have a self-care morning, watch this <laughs> Titanic film, have a cup of tea. And I, my husband came in the room and I just was bawling because at the end, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there is this sense of culmination of why you did the project, what it means for Titaniacs all over the world to have the hope and the love that is associated with this film. And at the end of this episode, I'll get you guys to tell me you know, where we can find both of you, where we can find the film and your podcast moving forward. But for now, I just want to jump in. And so if each of y'all would just introduce yourself with a quick little bio so that the listeners can you know, find out who you are and get to know your voice just for a few seconds before we jump into questions. You jump, I'll jump. Alexandra, start us off. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Um, my, my name is Alexandra Boyd. And for a very long time, I was an actress. Um, and I was lucky enough to be cast in a tiny part in Titanic. That was what, one of my jobs in my career. In the last 10 years, I've become a screenwriter and director and producer. Um, uh, an independent filmmaker and I love it and I uh, wrote and directed my first feature film in the UK in it released in 2019 it's called Widow's Walk and um, that was a successful venture at sold to Amazon and um, a couple of years ago I saw the 25 year anniversary of James Cameron's Titanic coming and I spoke to a couple of producers I was working with on other things and I said I still have 29 diaries that I organized 
29 of us who had been in the film, um, I still have the diaries I got everybody to write. I was like the headmistress. They had to hand in their homework, you know. And at the time, we were we were going to get them published. This was before the internet. So you had to go through a publisher. There was no self-publishing and it never happened. It was, it was, it was hard to get people to engage after the film was so successful because mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood is very sort of, <laughs> it revolves and moves very quickly, you know, to the next yeah. thing. But 25 years later, I still have these diaries. So that was the beginning of uh, Ship of Dreams, Titanic Movie Diaries, which is the documentary. So I've gone on this journey of being an actor on one side of the camera to being a director and a sort of, I call myself the puppet master. You know, it's it's a very um, involved job bringing together all the pieces. But what I couldn't uh, deny was um, the fans who have found me on social media. We were just talking about the power of of putting out there something about Titanic, even a tiny thing, even my tiny part. You know, I had lines, I had scenes, all gone. All I know they I've, I've seen your reel on your website where you so it, it's so funny how you narrate your scenes on your I, reel and I dubbed you know, Kate Winston going, and that's Alexandra <laughs> Boyd. Yes, I know. Yeah, I you know I had to make some um, lemonade out of lemons there, and actually. <laughs> That little um, that little showreel has got me so much work, as mm-hmm. in got me in the room. I was on um, a top soap opera in the UK for a while. Um, uh, it's you know it's a, it's Coronation Street. It's a big big show. I've heard of it. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and I um, have to tell you, I realized. Um, when I was watching your reel that I know your face from somewhere else. This is wild. So another really important movie to me when I was growing up was Mr. Holland's Opus. And when I saw your reel, it dawned on me that your face is, it, it, it triggers a comfort in my mind, not just because of that, but I think it also was rolling all the way back to Mr. Holland's Opus. I must have watched that movie 20 times when I was a kid. So it just, it's such a full circle moment. I realized that you are a part of two, you know, the most important movies to me of my whole life. So it's wow. really well, incredible. Well, we were to yeah. then. Yeah. And, and just on that, on that note, just going back to Coronation Street, when I went in for my screen test, um, and I didn't have a very powerful agent at all. I had sort of come by the audition by happenstance and then I got to the I got to the screen test which is the the step before they offer you the job and I said to the casting director how did you find me because I hadn't been back in the UK very long she said I saw your Titanic show reel <laughs> and I thought I've got to meet this woman <laughs> because cool. she wanted to meet somebody who had a connection to that film so that mm-hmm. was back in 2008 and here we are still talking about this film and, and of course, Nelson and I will talk about it all day long on our new well, podcast. That, that, yes. And, and you guys are going to, for anyone listening to, just to my podcast here, you're in for a treat because there's going to be so much content with you guys on your podcast as well. But this leads me to really one of my big questions is that when you were auditioning for Titanic, I know Nelson, you were a big part of Alexandra. So if you would kind of, that's a perfect segue into meeting you a little bit because you guys kind of did research together and work together 
for her audition for Titanic, right? So- Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, there was a world without the internet where we actually <laughs> bought books. <laughs> I remember. I'm old enough to remember. I cherry. I I look back fondly. Yeah. Alexandra and I became friends in the late 1980s here in New York City, where I am. I ended up moving to Los Angeles in 1990 and stayed for 22 years. I say you get less for murder, but anyway, I stayed there for 22 <laughs> years. And uh, Alexandra also followed to Los Angeles. We reconnected there, and she just came over to my house one day and said, "Oh, I have an audition for this movie about the Titanic." I was like the Titanic. I was a Titaniac before the internet, which involved going to libraries, going to bookstores, going to museums. And for her audition, she had to write a monologue based on someone from Titanic history. I said, oh, Countess of Roth, lifeboat number eight. Let me tell you everything about her. Here, here's a book. Here's a picture. And we, you know, I, I, gave her a hand uh, with preparing for this audition. She got the part. Uh, She didn't get the Countess part, but in many ways it served her better in the long run uh, that she she did what she did. And uh, she repaid me not only with friendship, but she brought me a souvenir from the set. I got one of uh, of the props that she got to use. And now here we are 25 years later uh, hosting Titanic Talk, a podcast about it. I participate in her documentary, uh, Ship of Dreams, Titanic Movie Diary. And here we are talking to you. This wonderful interconnection uh, touched either by the historical event, the film, or both. Yeah, and I find, I talk about this a lot on the pod, I find in, in Ship of Dreams, the film really talks to this. I find that a good portion of Titanic people, especially those that are under the age of 40, came to loving the ship through the movie. It's a huge entree point. And those really meld together. Now, there are some people that are mostly ship people there, some people that are mostly movie people. But what I have found is that there's, on the Venn diagram, there's a huge space right in the middle. It's huge. And I have to say, I, I, too, there's almost too much. I have so much to ask you. So I, Nelson, I'm coming back to you soon because uh, I want to ask you about another specific connection you have to Titanic, as I think you and I have some interests that may overlap in terms of that. Um, And Alexandra, I'll move to you and try to contain myself. It's very, it's very strange to me to be speaking with someone who was in the film. I think the 13-year-old version of myself would basically be fainting right now. So this is so exciting. Tell me, you know, people will hear a lot on your podcast, so there's more coming. But yeah, if you would just kind of walk us through a little bit of what it was like to be on that set. So you've worked on this audition, you've done the research with Nelson, you've started to already embody the sense of, you know, a British woman that would have been on the ship. So yeah, just maybe a few little nuggets of what the process was like of, of getting to that set. I, if I could go back in time to anywhere, I think I would want to go back to that set. So I'm very envious that you were there. Uh, I don't think anything, all of our um, actors and all of the diaries all talk about driving from uh, the uh, San Diego airport over the border into Mexico and going to Rosarito because the first thing you saw on the horizon was the Titanic. Mm-hmm. They were building this 90% replica of the ship. And so whatever time you arrived, it was in a, in a certain stage of being built, you know, cranes and this and that, it was being painted. So there was this sort of jaw-dropping moment, like, we're really getting on this ship. 
you know, that that couldn't be denied. Um, And then the costumes, my costume fitting took like four hours. And this woman kept, I was in a room and this this, uh, wardrobe lady kept disappearing and coming back with these huge boxes full of the most exquisite dresses. And a lot of them were original. It was much easier for them to find original Edwardian clothing than try to, you know, reproduce every single person who had to to wear something. Mm -hmm. Um, That was, that was a whole separate trip. And then once I was down there, I bumped into um, Rosalind Ayres and Martin Jarvis, who played the Duff Gordons. And I know them because there was a sort of little click of English actors who always kept bumping into each other in Los Angeles. Um, and we'd done a radio play or two together. And um, they're like, oh, I said, oh, I've got four days' work. I'm so excited. And they were like, mm, yeah, you know, well, don't make a lot more than Because we've been here for two weeks and we haven't seen the bloody set yet. And Victor Garber was walking around going, oh, God, you know, I'm a, I'm a Broadway actor. I'm not used to this film nonsense. Oh you know, people were kind of moaning that they weren't working and I was just happy to have a job, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and then and then walking onto the set, which um, you probably know was a three-story set in a huge, huge tank. Mm-hmm. So the set was on hydraulics so that it could be tipped, but the tank was going to be filled. And before they did that, because we filmed all the first-class dining room scenes, and it it was it was breathtaking to walk onto or into that first-class dining room because it was. They had they had built the whole thing. There mm-hmm. wasn't just one side of a set and don't film behind here. It was a 360-degree replica of the first cluster and the grand staircase, you know, a double. So where they are by the clock is the top one, and then there's another layer as you go down, which was the grand staircase where we were walking, where she introduces everybody on the ship. Yeah. Um, uh, just, you know, the first thing James Cameron said to me was, you've done so much research for this film, for this job, haven't you? And I was like, well, I, you know, I know, nothing's like, what do you think of my set? Like, like I had, I was being asked my opinion of this exquisite um, rendition of the Titanic. And, and of course, it all got dismantled and thrown mm-hmm. away because the tiny bits that were salvaged, you know, every so often you'll see a carrier from one of the columns or a piece of paneling, yeah. which is the paneling that they, there was not a door. It was a piece of paneling. I, I tell people this all the, I, I make people mad because I go on about this, but I know, um, and I've heard at the time they just, they sold off some of those sets, right? Because they didn't know if the movie was going to be successful. So well, a lot of it was just, you know, let's make, make our money back on some of these things. And well, of course, they had no idea they um, wouldn't need that's, to do that. I, I'm going to just give you a little bit of uh, a movie uh, maritime trivia on that because Please the do. movie, yes. like what if the movie had been a bomb? They would have, you know, tried to recoup some of the losses, selling off the lumber or the props, whatever. The Poseidon adventure, if you think the dining room on the SS Poseidon from 1972, Poseidon was a Greek god. It was a Greek ship. But why was there an, an Egyptian motif in the dining room of the Poseidon? Because they were recycling the sets from 20th Century Fox box office flop, Cleopatra. 
That's why. You are, so there you go. Seriously? Wow. <laughs> I did. Well, and the Poseidon Adventure is, we're touching on everything because the Poseidon Adventure is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I grew up watching it. My dad is, I grew up with basically an amateur film historian. So, you know, everything, disaster epics, 40s movies, 50s And you would movies, recognize you know. that from the Poseidon dining room wall. <gasps> Oh, hold it up a little more. Well, well, well I'm not that liver. I'm not 14 Oh, years that's old. your leg. I thought it was your arm. <laughs> Remember when Stella Stevens says, that's so amazing. that's the cat this ship was named after. Yes. That's it. That's amazing. Okay, well, just <laughs> listeners, you should know, I thought it was Nelson's arm, so I was asking him to bend in a way that a human doesn't bend, but it was actually his leg and a really amazing tattoo. For all um, your so education, you missed something on anatomy. <laughs> I know. I, I need to go back. So I should share. It's, I'm at a weird angle. It's going to be upside down. So I have a make it count tattoo. And what's really cool is that the woman who did it, uh, she just traced, you know, it's James Cameron's handwriting because he wrote the note, but she traced it on this program and it's so meticulous. So every time I show it to someone, they are astounded how much it looks like the actual note. And uh, I I just have this dream of maybe one day I'll meet James Cameron and I can show him. Like, I've got, I've literally got and your handwriting on my body. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And he'll probably so, say to you, LA, what did you think of Avatar? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have a long conversation because I have a lot of feelings, you know, we'll see. Um I actually have, I actually have, I'm no joke. I have a friend who was at dinner with him last night. I am not exaggerating. He was at a Titanic event in, uh, in California. He sent me a picture of his wife sitting next to Bob Ballard and James Cameron. And I almost, I was just at dinner with my kids and I almost fell on the floor. So that, that was, I was very jealous. Um, but, but so and this is, you know, this is a great transition into, uh, Nelson. I want to talk about your story a little bit. Um, so I was watching, I was lucky you guys let me watch a screener of Ship of Dreams. And like I said, it was amazing. And I was bawling like a baby. And one of the things that gave me goosebumps was your story. And you don't have to reveal all. I know we probably want to save some for the film. But um, if you could give us a little sense of kind of the personal connection that you feel to Titanic, because, and I'll tell you after you say it, it actually really connects with a lot of things that I research and read about. So I'm, I'm very intrigued. So. Well, if you would give us a little teaser of your the more emotional connection that yeah, you have. Yeah, I think everybody the 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 great thing about the Titanic story, like any historical event, if you want to liken it to a 9/11 or I don't know, any sort of global uh, society changing event, which the mm -hmm. Titanic sinking certainly was. Um I, everybody can sort of, in, in no matter what time of the of the the world we're living in, you can you can sort of zero in on somebody. There was somebody that represented you on on the ship, or in the twin towers on nine eleven, or on the Hindenburg, or what, whatever the disaster may be. Someone someone you can uh, pick to identify with. Um, because there was such a cross-section of humanity on the ship, whether people from all over the world were on the Titanic, people from all walks of life were on the Titanic, of all ages, etc. So uh, they're, they're, everybody sort of gloms onto, onto one figure, Titaniacs in particular, and long before, uh, you know, I'm talking from the, the 1970s, 
when I was a child. Uh, I had an intense interest in uh, maritime disasters. Uh, I, I never was interested in smooth sailing. I only wanted uh, you know, sinking passenger liners, whether that was the Andrea Doria or the Lusitania, the Titanic, or fictionally the Poseidon, whatever. Um, but yeah, I fixated on a first-class passenger uh, without even knowing his name. It, it took years for me in a pre-internet world to, to track it down. I, I, I came from Philadelphia, so I thought, oh, Jack Thayer, because young Jack Thayer was from mm-hmm. Philadelphia. If you look at old photos of Jack Thayer, there was a, you know, a resemblance in that we were both young, waspy men from Philadelphia, uh, <laughs> whatever. But, and I began to, uh, to sort of do a little sleuthing, and I found Jack Thayer's shipboard friend, uh, friend uh, from Worcester, Massachusetts, was a uh, young man named Milton Clyde mm-hmm. Long Jr. Anyway, long story short, I fixated on Milton, and that has that ha- that story is told in length in Ship of Dreams. But it actually led me to Dr. Ballard himself uh, and to many other connections. Uh, the very the very least and most special of which is having this special bond with my friend Alexandra, and we got to we got to take our friendship from the New York City of the '80s to here we are, more than 25 years later, getting not only to continue our friendship but to be colleagues uh, as well. So uh, what what a what a gift Milton inadvertently gave me. Well, and and you know people will see it in the film, but I I was so moved by. Your, you know, you shared a couple of of dreams that you had as kid, as a kid, where you you felt like you were so tied to this process. And I, you know, my listeners know this about me. I am very into past life readings, past life regression therapy, anything on the spiritual side in that realm. I'm a curious skeptic. I'm I'm, I'm definitely skeptical, but um, I've done a little bit of research, um, even in in terms of Titanic with that. There are a couple of people who have claimed to be, you know, people reincarnated from the ship and there are whole books that have been written about it, similar to like Many Lives, Many Masters. There's a book that's similar to that, but about a Titanic passenger. So of course, with a healthy dose of skepticism, but it just, it's, I, I think it's such a fun conversation to have and to open up and and to be open to. And I feel like every time we, you know, you, you talk about Milton or Jack Thayer, every time we talk about an individual that was on the ship, they, they're remembered again and they're brought to life again. And no matter how, you know, I just think it's so important, especially as we get close to the anniversary. Um, that's what I do a lot on the pod is just speak the names and, and tell the stories, these individual stories. So tell me a little bit about uh, what you guys are going to do with the podcast. I know, you know, obviously the film will be releasing and then the pod is going to be a companion to that. So I imagine it's going to be, Alexandra, a lot of your experiences, but what, you know, what themes, what sort of, what are your goals with the podcast to give people an additional experience after they watch the film? Well, we definitely have created it to, uh, the springboard is the documentary because we have nine of the actors um, in the film in it Mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll be speaking to all of them because imagine what you can fit into a 90 minute feature yeah. film is yeah. the tip of the iceberg of <laughs> what <laughs> because you know everybody's diary uh, some were two pages long some were 26 pages long mm-hmm. so you're getting little snippets of them reading from their diaries but there's 
all, you know, there's all the other stories that didn't make it into our film. So, so we're definitely interviewing them. We're definitely interviewing the super fans who are in the film. Um, and, and that they, like you, just feel so charmed by being connected in this way to that film. So that, that feels really, um, <clears throat> just feels great to, to, connect with them in that way and then we didn't want to just make it about the film because I feel like you can't separate the the history and and these real people who were really there really suffered and lost their lives or survived and had a story a survivor's story so we're you know we're going to authors um uh we've interviewed uh examples Simon Medhurst who found out at 45 that he is He's been great- on the pod. He's been oh, on he the has, pod. Yes. I guess. Well, yeah, he's lovely. And, yeah. and in that way, uh, in in um, in the way that Nelson's life has been um, always connected to Titanic, mine has been connected since 1996. Simon's has had always been there, and then all of a sudden, he, you know, the the stories. Well, there are as many stories as there were people on that ship. And, uh, you know, and, you know, oh, another podcast about Titanic. I, I just think that there's there's so much to to talk about and to tell that. Why not? And if people want to listen, we're ready to we're ready to Titanic talk. I've you know? spent the last 30 years of my professional life as an interviewer. That's what I do for a living is I, I interview mostly celebrities. But for me, one of the most fun things is to have a story idea, chase chase the idea, find the person to talk to about it, and then interview them. Uh, that, that, to me, is what, is, is what gives me excitement. And Alexandra and I were talking. We had already recorded a few episodes of the podcast, and there was a feature here in New York, a, a museum exhibition uh, called The Museum of Failure, uh, which highlights different uh, uh, cars, food products, beauty products. It's, it's quite funny, uh, a funny take on pop culture. And one of the things included in the exhibit was Titanic as an example of a colossal failure, which you could argue, and, and a lot of people, interestingly, in Belfast in particular, were upset that the ship of dreams was being perceived as a failure. And we spoke to the clinical psychologist who was the um, curator of the Museum of Failure. And it's a fascinating conversation you'll see when, when we have that uploaded very soon uh, on Titanic Talk. But this this is the broad range. There There is a, a bottomless sea of, of content when it comes to Titanic, because I think there isn't anyone in certainly modern times that doesn't either recognize it or have a connection with it uh, in some capacity, uh, professionally or personally. It's I have so a great true. story to connect to that. Um, yes. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Ng Wong is one of the producers on uh, Ship of Dreams, Titanic Movie Diaries. Um, Ship of Dreams for short. We, we, we put Titanic in the title. She's one of the uh, producers and uh, we met because um, I have a nonprofit called Artemisia's Daughters because I'm very keen to bring more young women into the film industry. We're not Wonderful. shown... I was not shown women directing when I came up as an actress. I think I worked with two my entire career Mm -hmm. and I want to change that. And it's a generational thing. We have to start with young women. Absolutely. So Elizabeth is a, is a fabulous 
female producer and she was a documentary producer is a documentary producer primarily so um i interviewed her on fierce female filmmakers which was the podcast for my nonprofit, and she tells a story about teaching in hawaii she was teaching uh high school and they she did an exchange with some uh teachers in um siberia of all places so the siberian teachers came to hawaii then oh hawaii wow okay to siberia you know to just that's you know, a cross pollinate cross yeah. pollinate yeah um how Yes. <laughs> I was about to say that. I guess you don't, you don't pack really in that hot. scenario. You just buy new it things was, when you get there. It was very yeah. hot. It was the summertime. So they go to Siberia and they have this um, translator who strangely couldn't eat with them because there wasn't enough food or there wasn't money to feed her as well. And the American teachers just thought this was appalling. So they took her out to dinner one night and she goes, oh, yes. Well, you see, I've seen Titanic seven times. This was in Siberia, a woman who could, who could barely afford to eat. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying she was probably didn't have a lot of spare money, but she had seen Titanic in the cinema seven times. And Elizabeth just had this moment. She'd always thought, I, you know, teaching is great, but my kids get all of their history information from movies. And really, I want to be a filmmaker. And it was that was the, the catalyst that tipped her into going to USC to do um, to, to learn to be a film producer. So she tells this story. And then after we finished recording, I say, kind of apropos of nothing, Elizabeth, but I've got all these diaries from these actors from Titanic. And I think there's a documentary there. And I sent her a little pitch doc that I put together with images and quotes and so forth. And this is what the movie will sort of look like. And she said, oh, that's great. I'd love to read it, uh, but I'm super busy. And I just don't know. Three days later, she called and said, Alexandra, I can't stop thinking about your film. I have to help you make it. So... So thereby, Titanic, once again, is Mm -hmm. not just what the film is it about, but it's how I got, you know, how I got Nelson involved, how I got Elizabeth involved. And you can't, you can almost not talk to, even my partner, he's never seen it. So he has a thing, he's not seen it, but he's going to have to see it now, isn't he? (laughs) Alexander, your trailer, the trailer for Ship of Dreams, which you can see on the website, uh, maybe you'll link to it here, but the the trailer opens with one of your actors, Mark Capri, uh, saying, uh, telling us the story that anywhere he goes in the world, if he says, I'm an actor, They say, oh, well, what have you done? And if he says the word Titanic, it's an instant conversation. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I, I remember hearing, you know, back when they were on the PR trail 25 years ago, I remember, uh, I think it was Kate Winslet telling a story about just, you know, unplugging and being, I can't remember what country she was in, but she was like climbing a mountain and, 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 you know, got to this little village and, you know, even there in this remote place of the world, oh, Titanic, Titanic, you know, and uh, I think for me, you know, I, I told, I told Alexandra this in, in message when we were moving, uh, we were planning this conversation. I, I mean, I, I am one of the people that, that your movie is about. I, the movie came out when I was 13. My listeners know this. I saw it 13 times in the movie theater. Every single time I saw it, when the credits would come up, I just thought to myself, 
one more time. And I guess I thought Jack would just live, you know, one <laughs> time. I thought eventually he would just wake up at the end. The ultimate the, ending. The, the, yeah, ending. the director's cut will just pop up. <laughs> but, you know, I I had I had not a great childhood. And, and my mom passed away when I was a teenager. And she and I, this movie was one of our things. And so for a lot of reasons, it just... At the time, it was for me what the people in your movie are talking about, which is this this lifeline of hope, something I loved, something I latched onto and could be mine. And I fell in love with Kate and Leo, and I fell in love with movies, and it, it made me more of a movie person. And and now, you know, twenty five years later, this is what I'm doing. It just blows my mind, but it all makes sense. It all comes full circle. I think Titanic is this crazy tree and you guys have, if it's a tree, you guys have tapped into it with this film and the podcast. It's this tree with so many branches, but if you're in the tree, you kind of recognize everybody in there, <laughs> but everyone's, everyone's kind of doing their own branch of something, you know, and the, your film does a good job of showing that some people are obsessed with the costumes and the beauty of those and they work on replicating them there are people who collect items from the film it's you know there's it takes on a lot of different forms for me it's taken on the form of this podcast but it really is such a moving um i mean i always joke you put Titanic people in a room that have never met before and then open the door 10 minutes later and they'll be best friends, you know, planning a cruise together. Like, I don't, <laughs> like that's, you know, um, so in I, the Caribbean away from the iceberg. Yeah. I was about to say, but not in the North Atlantic. Um, I have a question, gonna, LA. I okay, just, I'm right. dying. I'm dying to ask you the, the interviewer in me, uh, since you were, you were talking previously about uh, kind of metaphysically about past lives or people you identify with. You, you said you felt that way, but but now I'm dying to know who. Um, I, obviously, it's not the little girl folding her napkin because you said you were watching your, you know, you were streaming it while you were sitting in your bedroom, what, having your dinner or something like that. Is there is there a character from Titanic history that we don't know about that's connected to you somehow? Oh, to me, I don't. I, I mean, I wish I knew specifically, but the only thing I, I have been able to and I'll, I'll be quick. And if my listeners are interested, I'll do a longer version of this on an episode. But um, basically, I, I've kind of always, I've been a little bit like you. I've always had uh, dreams that involve ship water um being alone uh in that scenario uh i had a past life regression uh done last year um and it was really i recommend it to everybody because it's just great therapy if nothing else it's just a very moving experience uh but in that um she picked up a lot about water and a lot about me drifting off somewhere uh, in the middle of the ocean. So I, you know, I, so what I like piece you know, of oak paneling. I know, right? <laughs> what if I was actually Rose? No, but um, I, you know, so I don't, I wish I had a sense of, you know, a specific person. I, I study so many people from the ship. I've never had, I'm moved by a lot of the stories, but I've never had the moment where I've thought, you know, I'm I feel specifically connected to this one passenger. It hasn't happened yet. I'm going to recommend a book to you, which you may already be aware of since you're into that kind of thing. And, and you feel free to cut this out if you don't think that it, it suits. There's a book, I think the author's name was Hugh Sutcliffe. And it's called okay. You Were Born Again to Be Together. 
And it, it basically says all of your relationships, good or bad, are based on relationships from before and before and before. Oh, someone someone yeah. you may have hated then or murdered you then may be your spouse now and you're working it out, mm-hmm. but whatever. It, it, mm-hmm. It's remarkable. And, and like you, I'm curiously skeptical. Yes. And, and I, we just, my husband and I have just been reading Many Lives, Many Masters, which is the classic, you know, obviously in that realm. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're both kind of, you know, we're interested in these thoughts and, and, and themes and um, almost like hypotheses about the universe. Um, We're very intrigued by them. So we're, we're trying to go about it the right way, do the reading, do the research, use that healthy skepticism. But uh, yeah, when I watched that part of, of the movie and you were talking about that, I just, everything is seems so, it seems like such synchronicity in my life right now, even including just sitting here with you guys. Um, Well, I know we, so we're on a little, we've got a little bit of time left. One thing I wanted to do, is ask you both a question that I ask pretty much every guest that ever comes on the pod. Uh, And you can take the answer wherever you want, which is why do you think, you know, for the film, it's 25 years later, but for the actual ship and that experience, we're 111 years in a world where horrible things, unfortunately, have happened all the time and continue to. And But why Titanic? Why, why do you think Titanic is the thing that we have this common understanding of? It's a language we all understand globally. We use it as a metaphor, analogy. We, in, in our brains, it's just this reference point we've agreed on historically and culturally. Why do you think it is? And, and again, your answer can be in any realm with any theme, but I just always love to hear from my guests why Titanic? Because obviously that's the question I'm always seeking an answer to on the podcast. So uh, I, I'm asking it as well in my film, I think, because um, I, I'm fascinated by the history. I loved doing that job. I've been dining out on stories about being in Titanic for 25 years. So I, I want to know too. And I don't think I've quite put my finger on it because, yes, it's the romance. It's the romance of that era. I think if it's just right before the First World War, when so many people, when the innocence, you know, of, of, of all that beauty, you know, the, 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 the size of the ship, the, the craftsmanship, the way it looked, the way, you know, the, the modern era was, was literally launched with that ship and then sank <laughs> three days later, you know, and, and then came the first world war and n- nobody ever recovered from that because, it, you know, and then, then their own pandemic in, you know, uh, in, in 1918. Oh yeah. 19. So, so there's that element that, that, it's a sort of metaphor for for that, and I still haven't quite uh, quite put my finger on why this film captured it so beautifully, other than James Cameron's attention to detail and passion for the details and for the history, and you know, going down to the wreck nine times or whatever. He he sort of became the channel for all of that in the movies, which are so powerful. You know, I say my film is a love letter to Titanic. It's a love letter to James Cameron's Titanic. And it's a love letter to the film industry and the power of movies. You said, you know, it was one of the films that has made you a film buff. Mm -hmm. So it it kind of all, it all comes together 
with the history and the movie. But I still left the question unanswered, I think, because I don't think it matters. I think we just, Mm. here we are talking about it. And to anyone who will listen, and those of you who are listening, look at you. Look at at the mirror. Look at yourself. (laughs) Look at at yourself. Um, In a good Um, way. In a good way. I haven't really answered it other than to say I don't know. If we're, you know, and to hear that from someone who literally is is in the film and spent, you know, a chunk of their life on this set. And yeah, I mean, I think in some ways you may be right. It, maybe, it, you know, maybe the answer is just forever elusive, you know, but uh, in terms of the film, especially, but it's, you know, again, the tree metaphor, but it's just this, the magic never, it never stops. You, the, I, I think a hundred years from now, people will be returning to this movie for that magic. And but also remember, on the set, we were we were being told to cash our checks that this movie yeah. was going to sink like the ship. Yeah. He spent a hundred millions, a hundred million dollars for any movie at that time was unheard of, and he spent mm-hmm. another hundred million, and it was never going to make its money back. It, he's on a tear this one, and how wrong was everybody? And when we all first saw it at the cast and crew screening, it was before it was released, before Titanic fever hit. And I was like, this film is amazing. It's amazing. But I still had no inkling that it would have the impact that it has had and continues to have. I don't think it's the last one. We've, We've talked about this, like the way that The Crown has taken the royal family and turned it into years and years and years of dramatization, much to our delight. Uh, why not do a Titanic series? You could drag out that for forever. I mean, you could the story mm-hmm. of every single passenger over the course of that oh, of the shortened yeah. voyage. You know, it's it's a, it's a, it's an endless well. And I, when you ask the question from the days of the ancient Greeks, who you could say arguably created entertainment, they created plays and dramas mm-hmm. and the comedy and tragedy. Uh, sort of the Titanic is beauty and tragedy. And uh, it has everything. The Titanic story, not just the film, but the Titanic story Mm -hmm. has beauty and tragedy. And it also has the element of mystery because all the questions that start with what if will never be answered. What is, was it the rivets? Was it the speed? Was it the ice? Was it the this, that, or the other thing? And just, and the mystery, what if they'd gone this way or that way or slowed down? What if they'd run right so, into the iceberg? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so- if They the had weather, the binoculars weren't locked. Oh my gosh, the binoculars. I get emails about the binoculars. I get emails from listeners that, did you know about the binoculars? And I, I you know, I I appreciate everyone's attention to it. But yeah, it, 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 I think a lot of titanium and I'm guilty of this sometimes too. You know, yeah, we 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 tend to pinpoint one one what if question with this idea that maybe if we could figure out this one little part of the mystery, maybe we could figure out why it sank, but it sank for 20 reasons or 200 reasons. And it just is a disaster that happened. And, you know, you mentioned 9-11 earlier or the Hindenburg. I mean, with any disaster, unfortunately, a disaster is very organic. We don't want it to be. We don't want it to be organic. We want to believe it happened. That's why it's called an accident. And, you know, no matter how prepared you are, 
uh, accidents happen. happen, you know, they could have had plenty of lifeboats and maybe it still wouldn't have worked out. You just don't know. And it's There's the no mystery. And, and what we do know is that if it hadn't sank, if it hadn't hit the iceberg, we wouldn't be talking about it. If it oh, no. We wouldn't. In New York and all those passengers stepped on off the ship onto the dock and got on with their lives, it would have just been another, it had been another QE2, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have. It probably would have gone into you know military service during the war, and then maybe had another life after that. But it wouldn't. It would have retired one day with very little fanfare, and or just be a hotel in yeah. Long Beach like the Queen Mary. <laughs> I uh, I was when I when I was in Long Beach last year. It was still closed. So this is a funny story. My I I like snuck in the parking lot. There was one lonely security guard in front of it, and I had my son was seven at the time and my husband and daughter were in the car and I have my my tiny son with me I'm like you're my photographer we gotta I gotta get some pictures and this security guard comes up to me I'm like please just please let me be here for five minutes he's like you're fine but my son is such a rule follower the whole time mommy we are not supposed to be here. I am very nervous. And I, I am not a rule follower, but I have birthed a son who is. And so he followed me. Or he, 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 yeah, he, I, mommy was being naughty, so he was not happy. But so that was my experience of finally seeing that ship was just for five minutes with my son. It's, uh, it's beautiful. But, you know, it's, yeah. I'm just glad it's, uh, I'm just glad it still exists. Yeah, no, I, I, it it really is one of the last connections that I know. Um, I know Nelson, you've done some Titanic travel, which is like I, I mentioned this to Alexandra. A big part of my research that I do is Titanic tourism and travel. And I was just in Belfast, and we got to go on the Nomadic again. You know, like a piece of that era of Titanic history. But I saw the clips of you on the Titanic trail. Yeah, I did a, I oh, did cool. an Irish show for uh, a, a period of time. It was, it was called The Afternoon Show. And I, I did it from America via satellite, like I do everything, but even before there was Zoom. Uh, and I was visiting Ireland for the show and we went to Belfast, and of course, the Harlan Wolf Shipyard's there. Uh, it was before the museum had been built, uh, which gives me another reason to go back. But I was like, let's do a story on the Titanic Trail, because the last, the last port of call for Titanic was uh, Queensland, Queenstown. Queenstown, Queenstown, which which, which is now called Cove, K-O-B-H is how it's spelled. And so we went there uh, and sort of saw it from the point of view of that was the last stop. It's also, there's a a great, because it's a a ship, uh, a seaside town, there are beautiful memorials also to... um, the Lusitania there. So we stayed, we stayed in, we stayed, we were there last summer and we stayed in the hotel that they brought the Lusitania victims to. So you saw this famous statue and everything. And it's, it's, uh, it's it's quite moving. And we, Mm -hmm. we, when we were filming this, this segment for the afternoon show, we went to the piece of land uh, on a hilltop in Cove where you would been, you would have been able to see the Titanic for the last time before she disappeared mm-hmm. into the into, off on her voyage. So we went up there and we shot me waving as if I could see the Titanic going on the horizon. Then we got on a boat 
and we went out to the space on the water where you oh would have last seen land. The last time anybody on the Titanic could have seen land. And of course I waved back at myself and we were able to come yeah. together and be waving. <laughs> time is a, you know, time is a circle. So it probably worked. I know time is not a line. It's a circle. You probably in some way you were waving to yourself. I, I can't, I am so jealous. I, we were there, but I didn't do, I, I didn't even think about, you know, conceptualizing it that way. That's so cool. I have Next this time. dream. Well, yeah, I have, we, we should stay in touch. I've got this dream of doing a live show uh, in Cove with the Titanic experience there, or maybe one in Belfast with the museum there. Or maybe so, a screening of Ship of Dreams. I was about to say, we should maybe work something all out together. It would be so cool to do. Like, I'll sing the morning show. after. <laughs> my heart will go on yes my heart you'll have to do my heart will go on um well this has just been absolutely lovely i you know like i said i i could sit here for four hours and and alexandra to pick your brain about being in the movie and nelson i mean you are you know decades and decades of experiences and so i am sad that you know we're about done today but I definitely want to stay in touch and for listeners and for me, obviously we're in luck because heading into your podcast, there's going to be so much more content with you guys. And so tell me, tell listeners how to find everything. So Ship of Dreams should be available pretty soon, right? For, yes, for streaming. It's, we're doing a we're doing a limited sneak peek preview uh rental online. So we're okay. we're we're putting it online and you'll be able to find the link to that on the website which is shipofdreamsfilm.com. There'll be okay. a big button right there under the title and it'll take you straight to um a Vimeo site OTT where you can okay. rent it. Um, and that's and I would advise people to do that as soon as possible because we'll do it for a short time and then take it away and then it'll be distributed probably to a streamer. That's that's the goal. Um, so shipofdreamsfilm.com is the website where and and also if you're you know sign up subscribe because I'll send I'll send out newsletters as different things develop with the film. Okay. And then the podcast is called Titanic Talk and um, the main home for it is on Buzzsprout, but it's connected to apple podcasts and where, where you know you just can so wherever it, people it, listen it'll, it'll pop up. It. yeah, yeah. And i'll and link it i'll link everything in the show notes here as well so. we had Thank to you. encourage everybody to to do the sneak peek because that will be available to commemorate the 111th anniversary of the sinking you know it was yeah there you only get so many chances and we didn't want to miss the chance mm -hmm. to honor the lives lost absolutely Absolutely. Yes. And I, I will tell everybody, you know, again, so all of those links will be in my show notes to make it easy for everyone listening. But I just, I, I have to say, when I sat down to watch the movie, I mean, I knew I would like it. I love <laughs> Titanic. I love following all of the actors that were in it on Instagram. I love all of the creatives online. I think the Instagram Titanic community is, is really valuable and, and very far reaching. So I knew I would like it. But I had no idea how much I would be moved by it. You guys have tapped into that very human moment of what it feels like to be a part of something that's big and important. And I think, and I'm tearing up just saying it, but I think in life, we're all kind of looking for that. And then we as humans want to be heard. And so to see people get to sit down and read their diaries from this experience that they had 25 years ago 
is so moving. They were part of something huge and powerful, and it's affected their lives in a hundred different ways. And now they can sit down and reflect on it. We all crave that experience and we all crave being heard and seen in that way. And then you also are giving visibility to people like me who, I mean, I watching your movie, I felt so seen. I've been made fun of by so many people over the course of my life for loving this thing so much. And it's not until, you know, truly into my adulthood that I finally realized, you know, who, who cares? This is what I love. And this is what, you know, and and when I got the Make It Count tattoo, which I knew when I was a kid, I told myself I'd do it. And then I finally did it. <laughs> but uh, And I didn't until a few years ago. My kids were like, Mom, what is this? But uh, I, when I, when I got it, I told myself, this is the moment where you finally step into fully embracing this thing that you love and making it part of what you do. And the podcast came from that. So, Well, just to sort of pick up on what you said about feeling heard, um, one of the things Elizabeth, my co-producer, feels very strongly about is giving voice to people who aren't normally asked to say Mm -hmm. something. And that's as a documentarian a lot of times what documentary films are doing. And um, we've we've spoken with distributors who are like, yeah, yeah, could you get like Leonardo DiCaprio to do the narration or something? Because, you know, that'll really sell it. Okay, not for us. Wrong. You've misinterpreted. Did you see the film? film? It's it's that idea that Leo and Kate and James Cameron have had a platform for 25 years. We know, we know their stories. We're, we're They're good. They're good. They're fine. They're, good. They're fine. And what, yeah. what comes up, you know, we, we have um, Emily Schweber, who's one, who was the casting associate to Mally Finn, who's sadly yes, passed. It's a big part of the movie. It's a big yeah. part of the movie. That's actors process, not movie stars process. We, but actors, actors yeah. jobbing yeah. actors who are really good at their job, really talented, they're just not famous. And what, uh, you know, my dream one day is that this film will get screened at drama schools and at film schools mm-hmm. where people get a peek into the world of supporting actors, jobbing actors. If you're at drama school, this is 99% the kind of work that you can expect. And it might not even be something like Titanic. It'll be a, a you know, a TV series, you know, guest yeah. star or, you know, or a walk-on or one, one line or whatever. And, and what we have done, I do believe is give voice to the actors and voice to the fans who aren't, you're right. They're that closet Titaniacs, but ours are out and proud. Like, yes. Ooh, and right? that's the thing to do Why now. Not? And it's a wonderful it's so, thing to be part of. And so a wonderful beautiful. Community. And and I think, you know, I envision in my head, I feel like this is going to build even more of a community of that. And maybe one day we could all do some sort of meetup or something. I mean, I think there is just, so, we all feel so seen and heard through this. And um, well, I know Nelson, I know you have to go so we can. I you know, do, I, but I, now I, my brain says we need to start I, Titanic Pride Day. Who wants to sign the flag? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that, that will design a flag for that. If there's somebody with a cinema or a screening room and a bit of a budget, we could come and create an event where we would screen Ship of Dreams, Titanic movie diaries, and then have some of the actors there at Q&A, but also read more of their diaries. And podcasts. Well, podcasts, have, podcasts. We'll, well, podcast number one, but... We'll talk off recording because I I have a I've got an idea for that so maybe we can uh, 
put some karma out into the universe. And, and Jennifer that Garner's going to play you. I've just, as, I, <laughs> as I'm staring into my phone, I'm like, she's like young Jennifer Garner. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can yes. you follow me around all day? with? Oh, that's the best compliment of my life. I don't... <laughs> I, my day is going to be good now. Um, well, we'll we'll wrap up for now, but just with the reminder to listeners that there's so much more to come with your podcast and with the movie. And so all of that will be findable in the show notes and on your website. website. And so, you know, listen to this and then immediately go there and you'll discover so much more to listen and to watch. So thank thank you guys. This thank has been you. absolutely thank lovely. Thank you for having us. Yes, of it's course. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.